Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. Which group are you all? One or? Number one. Number one. Okay, so the first is mid-made last. Right? I'm just glad to see y'all. Amen. So glad we can be together again tonight in the house of the Lord. Appreciate God's grace to us. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Reconciliation through kenosis. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Not sinlessness now perfect, but complete to lack nothing. Perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we pray? We want to remember Brother Daniel. Namely, I got an email today from Sister Linda about Brother Daniel. He certainly <clears throat> still needs our prayers. He's breathing and coughing and all that. He certainly needs a, a touch from the Lord. Uh, we have so many that have so many needs in their bodies, but it depends on how we look at these things. We can look at them and say it's awful, it's terrible, or we can look at it as opportunities of faith by which God supernaturally can be able to come and move in the lives of the people. That's the way we want to approach it. Let's bow our heads together if you would. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads to your Father, we tip our heads toward the dust of the earth from whence our bodies were taken. Lord, knowing that unless the rapture comes and changes us, one day we will go back to that. Dear God, as we look at these houses, and the prophet defined them so well, tabernacles of humiliation. And he also called them a pest house. And in the pest house, everybody there is sick, and afflicted, and wounded. They're carrying all kinds of diseases. But he said, oh, but there's another one called my Father's house. Well, we're so grateful, Heavenly Father, that you have prepared for us another body. Lord Jesus, it awaits us even tonight. As we bow our heads and we hold these different requests and needs in our hearts. I'm sure that as we pray that these people think of maybe a father, maybe a mother, a child, an uncle, a cousin, somebody, Lord, that has a desperate need. Lord, we want to bring before you tonight Brother Daniel, Lord Nunley, and Sister Linda as well. Father, we ask that you would just be with our brother and help him. You see, Father, this situation with his breathing and his lungs and Lord, Sister Linda said he gets to coughing really, really bad. And Father, may you move for our brother. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may you help him, Father. May the presence of God just touch him. Lord, I have in my hand this prayer call tonight for 
Brother George Hamlin's nephew were asking your father in the name of Jesus that you'd move for this need and this request. I ask you, God, that you'd just be mindful. Lord, you see this, this need, God, these demons of hell that's attacking this, Lord, this person. In Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God, I pray, bring deliverance. Then, Lord, we ask that you would help us, those that are visible, those that are streaming the service tonight. We, Lord, also need a supernatural touch. We need something to happen right here, Father, in this very moment. Lamb of God, that you would help us, that our understanding would be opened, that we would be enlightened, Lord God, to your great person. Father, I pray that you would help me to be able to move aside, Lord Jesus. Help me, O oh God, that I can get out of the way. Father, that you can take this part of yourself that you placed in me. Help me, dear God, to lay the human part aside, that you can speak your word to our hearts, Father. We desire to know you. We don't want to know one another so much. We don't want to know things that are really of no benefit and value. But Lord God, we desire to know you better and in a greater way. Speak to us tonight, Lord, would you? We ask it, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. So love and appreciate you tonight. <clears throat> I know that it seems overwhelming to the human mind to try to comprehend what we would term as being greatness. And I'm sure you're convinced, as I am, that greatness in the eyes of God is not greatness in the eyes of man, and vice versa. It's no wonder that Paul would say that the wisdom of God, and then contrasting it with the foolishness of God. Man's greatest achievements would be absolute foolishness to God. And what would be categorized as the foolishness of God? And I hope you understand when I say that. It would be a way that God would choose to do something, but it would look so foolish in the eyes of man that man would look at it and think, really? You mean Jehovah? chose this means and Jehovah God the eternal chose this avenue to reveal greatness and man would look at it and say I, I, can't, I can't go that way I just can't comprehend that I cannot believe it I'm so glad tonight that we can and the more I look at these things the more I realize whenever God started moving on the prophet's heart in the direction and preparation to study for the preaching of the seals. I wonder how much time and consideration that Brother Branham began to give before preaching the seals. Greatest thing that he had preached, or had preached many masterpieces, no doubt, up, up to that time. But when it come to the seals, it was a turning point, a transition. And no doubt he didn't feel in his heart to just start out the first service 
with the first seal. Something pulling him and leading him in a direction of preparation work. Something that would kind of get the people ready. And it would be a, a gateway or an entrance by which their hearts would be contemplating what God was going to do the rest of the week. No doubt, as every minister does in preparing for a series of services, and Lord, which way would you want me to go? Father, what, what should I speak? Please help me that I'd know, Lord. Now, you can stand up and preach anything from the Bible, and it's the Word. But one of the greatest battles that a minister has and any minister that preaches knows it's the truth, is finding that which is seasonal for that particular night. Now God may lay four or five things on your heart for four or five services, that's only part of the battle. Which one do you preach for the first night? Which one do you preach for the third night and the fifth night? So it's always the season that you're dealing with as well as the topic and the subject matter. And I imagine when God began to give Brother Branham the direction of God hiding in simplicity on the breach, you think, it must have been, what in the world would that have to do with the seals? And as he actually refers back to it during the seals, and he said, now you see why he wanted us to go that way. Now you see this way. And it all started out, he said, with this God in simplicity, which makes you believe by the comments that he was saying that he himself did not see the full fruition of what he was going to go with. And many times I'm sure that's the way it happens. Because in, in relativity, in comparing what he started out with to the depths of the direction he's going to go, he'd say, wow, what a way to start out the series. But in reality... It was absolutely perfect for what God was going to do for the remaining portion of the service. So it was God hiding himself in simplicity and then revealing himself in the same. And we know, of course, that this is God's way of the way that he's always done. But whenever we look at our past of reconciliation and think of us being called back into God's presence and the cross being a, a threefold way by which salvation would be offered first to those in the Lamb's portion of the book of life, also to the 144,000 and also to the Gentiles that will not be called under the Lamb's portion but the, the book of life and seeing how the mysterious powers of God through the atonement of the Lamb and how that each category would be the work of God would be applied to their lives. And we you know the Lord Jesus did not have to die three times. He did not have to make three atonements. He did not have to do the work of, of reconciliation, of course, three times, once for the bride, once for the 144,000, once for the foolish virgin. But it would be once and for all, but it would be administered according to them and who they are. Now, had he given to the foolish virgin the exact same antidote, the same remedy, the same power of reconciliation that the bride had, he would just change them from foolish virgin and being bride. So he knows how to divide up exactly what each one can take. God made himself known to Abraham through the power of redemption, reconciliation, and God also saved Lot but it wasn't through the same power of redemption. And God channeled that work according to Lot's faith and gave Lot what he was able to receive. Amen. 
Whenever Paul was able to catch this understanding, and of course Paul writing, now the revelation, we know it, it became, as the light of God became more clear to the apostles as they were writing, and we compare Romans, we compare Corinthians, we compare Philemon, Philippians, on and on, and we look at the book of Hebrews, and we see as the revelation is expanding even for Paul, that Paul was able to write things in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews that he had not previously written about. He had not tied the ministry of reconciliation to the Lord Jesus quite in the same light that he did as the revelation began to unveil and reveal itself as it was in the book of Hebrews. But he called that there was the channel of God by which we were redeemed was not in what God would identify as great power. But actually the channel of redemption was first made known in great weakness and then it come to the full fruition of that in great power but only after it was revealed in weakness first now listen to this in 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 for though he was crucified through weakness yet he liveth by the power of God Look at this word, weakness. It means infirmity, disease, sickness, want of strength. The Lord Jesus was not crucified in great power, but actually on the contrary. He was crucified in weakness, but through his weakness, the power of God was made perfect. God's strength in the resurrection was more vivid and more plain after the man, Christ Jesus, had died in such humility and such weakness. Now, had he died in great power, had he died, and it would have been a similitude of the way that Enoch was translated, or in a display of great power in the way that Elijah was translated, then really the resurrection would not have been a much greater display of power than his death. Because they could have said, oh, well, he actually didn't die. It was a vapor, or it was a cloud, or it was something that just come down and they took him off, and he really did not die. But he was so dead, the heavens declared he was dead. He was so dead, the earth declared he was dead. And they actually saw the blood come from his body. They saw the earth as it shook with nervous prostrations. And God allowed him through weakness to reach this spot of such signs of death that all of nature, the Roman government knew he was dead. The Jews knew he was dead. His followers knew he was dead. Those that hated him knew he was dead. He died in weakness, but it would make his resurrection be displayed in a greater manifestation of power. Now remember, if he is the head of the new race, then what God is going to do, even in his death, is going to use the death in a way that will display the power of God and make it more phenomenal.
So though he was crucified, Paul said, through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For now, the human nature is what God allowed to be crucified and suffer such a death. For the nature that was in him to assume humanity to be able to suffer, able to cry, able to fear, able to feel all these anxieties and heartaches and sorrows that we feel. He's going to do that and it will be in the display of weakness. Now keep this in mind with you now. The great power of God will seemingly be absent at the cross. The great resurrection power on his body will seemingly be a million miles away from it. As his muscles would twitch and jerk under the pain. And his body would go into prostrations and spasms. And his head be swollen the size of a bucket. And his bones protruding out of his back. And his mouth swollen so large it would have nearly choked him. And he would have to open his mouth wide to even breathe. And push himself up on the nails in his feet in order to catch a breath. You could have heard him many, many feet away from the cross as he was struggling to breathe. What was all this for? To prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was a man. Amen. Right. That he was being crucified in weakness, but to display the greatness of the resurrection. Now you may wonder why sometimes that God will allow his children to go through such things and they suffer. And some, ah, they, you know, some killed in an automobile accident or they, they suffer for months on end with cancer or they go through terrible things, terrible things. And God will actually let them leave the world looking like defeated. And looking as if though all the prayers that they have prayed and you have prayed for them have went unanswered. Don't you believe that one bit? Amen. God many times may choose to allow some of his children to go by the way of the grave. I mean, you think of the prophet of God, God allowing him to be hit and his automobile accident and taken from the earth and his body mangled, his leg wrapped around the steering column and his body in such a horrible state and be hit by what? A drunk. Amen, right. The thing that he stood against his entire life and God would allow him to leave this world. How many people have stumbled at this message? And when you go to introduce it to him, and then, well, is this man alive? Well, well, no, he's not alive. Well, when did he die? Well, he died in 1965. Well, how was he taken? Wouldn't you love to tell him in a chariot? Wouldn't you love to tell him he was standing in the tabernacle and he's preaching and all of a sudden there was hundreds and hundreds of people and they saw his body be changed and taken up by rapture. How many times have you stuttered the way I have? When they say, what happened to him? How did he leave? A drunk hit him in a car and he died a few days thereafter. Now does that look like a glorious death? 
Does that sound like the way God would allow his prophet to die? Well, let's go backwards for 2,000 years. And we're living in the days of Elijah in the New Testament. He's known by the human name of John the Baptist. And we're telling people about his message. And they ask us, is he still alive? And we say, no. Well, how did he die? Well, he died a couple of years ago. Well, how did he die? Well, actually, there was a Jezebel that was dancing before her stepfather and she was instructed by her Jezebel mother to ask for his head on a charger and God allowed two Jezebels to conspire together and they cut off the head of John the Baptist. Wonder how many people would have followed him anyhow. Well, if you was a believer, you did. And if you wasn't, you didn't. Now, notice then, God's way is so different than ours. And we look at it and think, but why would God do that? How come? Well, friends, I'll tell you, I'm convinced. I believe with all of my heart many of these questions. We'll never know till we get there. And when we get there, I'm not sure that it'll matter anyway. But we notice then in this type, the way the Lord did, that God actually let the Lord Jesus be displayed with nearly every turn, especially in the last few hours of his life or the last few days. And it would seem as if though the great miraculous power had departed from him. And only a few saw the, uh, the high priest's servant ear put back on. And only a few maybe heard the thief on the cross as he was forgiven of his sins. But the majority of the other people, what did they see? They see this man bleeding and dying and crying on the cross. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? What is it? It is the very epitome of weakness. And he is going through this death in the very agony, oh my, that Isaiah prophesied about. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? All my bones, they stare at me. My David prophesying, not even knowing what he was saying under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And yet it was a display of such weakness. But yet, the superiority of our Lord now notice in the natural eye looking at it, it looked like a total display of complete failure. But yet the Bible tells us he spoiled principalities at his cross. Amen. So it was going on in another realm that the carnal mind and eyes could never see. Yet demons were stumbling over one another to get out of his way. And yet there was not visible that it was going on. Oh my, think of it. So that the crucifixion was not seemingly anything to do with God. Because God's word said, curse be everyone that dies or hangs on a tree. Yet in the supernatural realm, he is spoiling powers and principalities. But what is visible to the eyes of the people, they are seeing this man die and seemingly out of the presence of God. 
I wonder how many times saints have went the same way. And we looked at them and said, poor old same boy, it looked like that they're just so pitiful and oh my, you know, they're just struggling to breathe and oh my, and yet them demons is trying to tear out of one another's way. Because in another realm, my death's moving up and death's trying to get close. But you know what? I love the way the prophet said it about death. He said, death is not my slave master, but I am his. Now I'll tell you one thing, you'll never see that by looking at a person laying in the bed there and them struggling and the death rattles moving up in their throat and their blood pressure's dropping down. You don't see that. You don't see them and grabbing a hold of that whip and say, come here, death. I am your slave master. Stand right here till I call for you. But don't you understand what's going on in another realm when a child of God is passing from this realm and they're getting ready to pass over into the sixth dimension and they crack that whip over death's head and as they stand there in death's where yeah, yes, yes, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Oh my, he's reporting for duty. Ah, death, I need you to transport me across the river. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, your honor, yes, whatever you say. But instead we say, oh God, oh no, oh God, oh God. <laughs> God, don't, don't take them. God, don't take them. Oh, they're standing there with a whip in their hand. Hallelujah. You're standing there trying to pray. Oh, God, let them live. Let them live. They don't want to live. They've done letting go of life. They're letting go of cancer. They're letting go of chemo. They've done got a whip in their hand. Amen. They're getting ready to cross over. And they're saying, yes, get here now. Amen. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Stay here. Yes, sir. Don't open your mouth. Yes, sir. You thought you'd make me afraid, didn't you? Or you would have 10 years ago because I was a lost man, but not no more. You would have terrified me five years ago. I was a lost woman, but now. I need you only for a couple of seconds. Stand here and shut up. Now take me across. Yes, sir. Anything else I can do for you, sir? Get out of here. Yes, sir. And no tip. Yes, sir. But what do we say? Paul's saying... People say, well, they prayed for their healing. They lost the battle to cancer. <laughs> I'd like for death to testify and tell you they didn't lose their battle at all. Amen. Which is the worst, death or cancer? Come on, think about it. Cancer ultimately leads to death. And whenever if we, by the power of God, can make death become our, oh my, our servant for a moment to carry us on the other side, what's cancer, what's a headache, what's a toothache, what's pneumonia, bronchitis, what is all that? Nothing. But yet God uses it in such a way and it causes so many people to stumble. Notice this, this weakness is mentioned, oh, so emphasized, that it would tie to the fact of incarnation. God is only weak in the man, Christ Jesus. Preach it, 
Oh, I forgot y'all are the quiet group. I need to flag you all. I may have to cross the alphabet a little bit and bring some of the loud ones in with you quiet group here. Notice this now. God is only weak in the man, Christ Jesus. But God also displays his greatest strength and crowning achievement in the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He assumed our nature, assumed our infirmities, assumed our weakness at death's door and allowed himself to take on the epitome of the image of one of the weakest, the weakest men that ever lived on the earth. But in behind the veil was the eternal. You imagine as his enemies looked at him and said, I kind of thought that might have been him, but I guess was wrong. I thought he might have been the mighty conqueror. I thought he might have been that prophecy of Genesis 3.15. I thought he might have been the son of David, but it's evident now he's not. Look how weak he is. You see that blood come out whenever they hit him on his back? Do you notice that whenever they spit in his face? Not one muscle twitched. Not one thing to raise back that hand. (laughs) Nothing but a coward. Just a puny coward. Hallelujah. So he emptied himself of all this power to destroy man in anger. And felt that spit and phlegm from people's throat run down his face into his mouth. What's he doing? In weakness. Notice this. Brother Bram said, There Jesus had been stood against evil. Stood against those organizations, stood against those Pharisees, and become weak, submitted himself unto death, and died like a sinner on the cross. Bearing our sins. On down to the paragraph here, he said, and Jesus dying, holding that word, submitted himself, God, Emmanuel becomes so weak that he submitted himself to the death and to the grave and his soul to hell. But let me blow the trumpet for you. Because he went to hell, you don't have to. Praise God. Notice, but out of that complete surrender came forth on that Easter morning, winding its way from the lowest. He was the highest and became the lowest. He come to the lowest people 
went to the lowest city and the littlest man in town had to look down on him. He went from dire to death, from death to the grave, from grave to hell, to the lowest that could be got and to the lowest hell that could be thought of. He went to it. But then from there, God began to raise him up. Through paradise, from there to the tomb, from the tomb to glory, he's so high that he has to look down to see heaven, exalted his thrones in the heaven. But what led to it, brother, sister? He had to come through the door of weakness and humility through the very act of self-will of kenosis. Don't you understand? The more we can surrender to God, the more we can give up of ourselves, the more God gives us. This is why Satan don't want us to give up. If he can convince you to be a pretty good Christian and just to be, say, a 75-25, that you give God 75% of yourself and you hold back 25%, and you do that for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, why would you want to do that? You're robbing both you and God. Oh, if we could ever get to a place that we could get so out of the way. God, here I am. I give everything I am. Everything, Lord, that I believe. Everything that I do, 100%, not 75, not 85. God, please help me to be willing to give all. Oh, my notice this in forsaking all. He gave up his sonship. You see, he could not be a sinner slash son no more than you could be. He had to be one or the other. He could not be both. Neither can you. So he actually gave up his sonship between him and the Father to be made sin for us. Did you know that? He knew no sin, but he became sin for us. Our sin was placed upon him. He gave up the sonship to become sin. Why is that so hard for people to grasp? That's exactly what Adam done in the Garden of Eden. Now, sonship, my right, it was not so much that he took his name off the book of life. Adam's name was still on the book of life. Is that right? He was still there, always was a son, always would be a son. But sonship by rights, by authority, by position, by paternal authority given to him by the Almighty God, he was still a son. This is why God could redeem him in the garden. Hallelujah. Because he was a redeemable attribute of God, but he lost his position. He lost his authority. And the Lord Jesus, as a man, relinquished. I give up my sonship. I choose to become a sinner for my wife. Oh, that ought to make us love him so much. Our sins was placed upon him. He gave up the sonship to become sin. (laughs) Look at this equation. It's so beautiful. Now, he can make sinners sons. Now, he couldn't be a sinner's son, and neither are you a sinner's son. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Make up your mind. Which are you, a sinner or a son? 
Now that's all right for the ecumenical world. I hear Bill Gates have thought it was a great song and no doubt he's made a lot of money off of it. But when you look at it in the opening of the seven seals, I am no longer a sinner. I am a son of God. My sins have been annihilated. Come on, saints. It's not even in the mind of God. It's so far divorced away from me. God never remembers me being anything but a son of God. Oh my, hallelujah. He gave up the sonship. Can't you see why it's horrible when people turn down the right to become this? And as many as believed him, to them gave he power, or excuse you, to become or come to pass as the sons of God. So he forfeits his sonship that he might make sinners sons. Amen. Then what do I do? I forfeit my sinnership that I can come into my position of sonship. Amen. I can't be both. I can't be a secret sinner running around doing this and doing that. Oh, but I'm a son of God. I cannot be both. I've got to be one or the other. I was a sinner, but I ain't a sinner no more. I was lost and out of circulation, but I ain't out of circulation no more. Hallelujah. Praise God. He gave up the sonship to become sin. Now he can make sinners sons. Amen. That's the good part. Take sinners and make sons. When he gave up his sonship to become sin, now he takes sinners and makes sons out of them. Amen. What a privilege. Yes, sir. And any of y'all say amen to that? Notice this. He gave his strength. He became weak. Only in the man Christ Jesus could God experience weakness. How many of y'all ever got weak physically, spiritually, by anxiety or you just have an ongoing sickness or an ongoing trial and it just seems like it just wears you down. Just wears you out. You ever feel that way? No, sure you do. You know, this virus thing we're dealing with, say, oh God, when will this thing ever end? You know, you just do the best you can do. You think, Lord, we need a deliverance. You imagine that God, God, the great eternal, with all this power, and he wanted to be able to experience weakness. So God gets inside this body called Jesus Christ, which is his own creation, and God gets so close over into where he was that God was right there by the feelings of a man. And he could feel weakness in Jesus having to press himself. Carrying his cross. And John says that he fell under the load. And they look over and they see a man. And they said, you come and pack his cross for him. Imagine the Lord Jesus getting on one side and this man on the other side. And him looking over at him, maybe touching his arm. And this man reaching over and touching Jesus' arm. Touching his blood. Hallelujah. Because he got so weak as a man. So weak as a man. God wanted to feel weakness. Now that's good, but that's bad. That means many of his children are going to get so weak. So weak physically. Maybe weak in their spirit, weak in their stamina, whatever more, that they'll feel so weak 
They'll feel like they can't put one foot in front of the other. But remember, you've not got a high priest that was a theophany. You've not got a high priest that came down here and walked around like a mighty conqueror, like a great King David. But he walked around like a weak, puny man that would sit and groan with a headache and would feel anxiety and stress. Don't feel like this. You can't go to him. Oh, I hate to bother him. He wants you to come to him. Amen. He wants to know how you feel. Just spill your guts as we say, Lord, I feel down. Lord, I feel weary. Lord, I just feel so weak. Could you help me? Amen. You know, friends, I find it amazing how many folks that's been around the message forever and ever and they don't know how to pray they don't know how to pray versus their confession. Because they feel like if they pray and they tell God, God, I'm going through such things, they think that's their confession. Your confession and your prayer is not necessarily even the same thing. Your confession is what you believe God is going to do for you and what the work, the deposit has already been made. Abraham didn't go around and say, I'm not old. I'm not old. I'm not, I'm not 99 years old. No, that's a figment of my imagination. My wife ain't old. Well, her milk veins ain't dried up. Why goodness, no, no. No, that, that's not what he done. Abraham looked and he knew he was an old man, but he said, my confession is God's going to make me and her parents. Amen. You imagine when he get up, oh God, give me strength today. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. That was not his confession. His confession was in the promise of the word, I don't how he's going to do it but he's going to do it it's not wrong for you to go to God and say God I feel so weary I feel so worn but by your stripes I'm healed it is the Lord God that helps me you are my stay you are my strength oh friend don't you understand go to him and open your very heart let him know how you feel and then wind up with your confession is but you're going to move Lord if it ain't today it might be tonight if it ain't tonight it might be tomorrow if it ain't tomorrow it'll be the next time. I don't know what it's going to be but it's going to be there's your confession hallelujah notice brother Ram said he became weak that he might be our strength in reality this makes it a whole lot easier for me and you so I don't have to be strong. That's a lot of our problems. We're too strong in ourselves. Well, that didn't go over very good, but I've got the quote laying in front of me. You want me to read it for you? Page and paragraph? God's greatness reaches its height of perfection the weaker we become. Amen, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. I reckon I'll have to preach an amen too. Now once this Paul says, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. Isn't that amazing? Here he is the power of God, but the man Christ Jesus lives by the power of God. Oh, yes. He was raised from the dead by divine power. Amen. The power of God. Now, not the power of the man, 
the man, the humanity, and he's raised up on the throne of God as a mediator between God and man. And in the resurrection, the magnitude of that untapped power was displayed when he come into the tomb and he raised his own body from the dead. Now notice in my, you imagine there's many, many modern day uh, these uh, confession preachers. Boy, they sure won't read this verse here. Paul goes on to say, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak. In him. I don't know, somehow I thought that'd go over different. I figured some of y'all just be about to shout and just say, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We are so like him, so partakers of his nature that we actually enter into this phase to where we appear weak in him. Now, actually in him, the power that flows through us it's not weak at all. As a matter of fact, if you've got one little speck of the power of God, you've got enough power in you to create a private world and go out and live on it. But it's controlled by the law of faith, which you do not control yourself. So it's like you have all this power within you by the new birth and the regeneration that the Holy Ghost brings to you, but you cannot just reach in there and tap into it anytime you want to. It's controlled by the will of God, which is released in increments as he wants it released. And a lot a lot of times it's not released for you, it's released for others through you. And God may release it through you and totally bypass your own needs. Uh, it may be hard for you to understand, but I'll tell you one thing, friends, I preach, and Brother Darrell has as well, any man that's preached very long would all preach, and you'd be sicker than a dog yourself and pray for people, and many of their needs wasn't near as bad as what your own need was, and God anoints you, and you lay your hands on them and curse that devil, and the Spirit of God will move for the people, and you get in the car before you ever get home. You've got texts and emails and WhatsApp and everything else. God healed me. God done this and God done that, and you were sicker and worse shape than they were, and while the anointing was on you, the anointing relieved your symptoms and your pain and when the anointing goes to leaving, your pain will be worse than it was before. And yet many people you prayed for were near as bad as you are. Now I know that's really hard for you to understand, but that's the way it is. And it goes that way. But God chooses to express himself in this greatness of weakness. And you say, how in the world can they send him? But Brother Donnie must not have been feeling no pain at all. Brother Donnie must not have been feeling no pain. Did you see him? His jump around like a chicken up there. He was a hollering and a squawking like an eagle. Lord have mercy, God must have healed him. You ought to have seen him back in the office after church is over. Oh. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Why? The anointing got off. And yet the anointing flowing through you for God to use you. Don't you understand what it is? The display of weakness. And God will use you and channel the anointing through you. And then when the anointing backs off, God lets your weakness shine through. Well, praise God. Lots of folks been texting me and emailing me. Want to know if I pass that kidney stone? I said, nope, not yet. I must still be needing a lot of character. As long as the Lord don't say, 
My grace is sufficient for thee. I'm okay. <laughs> well, if he does say that, I'll be okay too. <laughs> Paul says that we carry about in our body daily the dying of the Lord Jesus. We appear weak. Well, friends, we believe we have the message of the hour, do we not? Amen. We believe God sent this message in the last day. Are we the only ones that pray for the sick and them get healed? <laughs> of course not. We're the only church around here that has miracles? Absolutely not. If we were, they'd flock here like I don't know what. As a matter of fact, we may look weaker than some of them. You say, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing wrong. We're following our husband. Amen. You see, when we look at it, boy, the bride's going to leave out here in a great crescendo. I believe the bride's going to leave out here in great victory. But what that actually means, that might be a different story than what we think in our mind. We're saying, oh, boy, the bride preacher's going to the hospital, empty out all the hospitals, do this, that, and the other. Be careful. Make sure that you're not bringing over tradition now. Notice this, because we are on his side fully, then we will appear so weak in the eyes of some. How you doing, brother? Hanging in there. Praise God. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. My business is busting out the seams. I'm telling you what, I got so much business, I don't even know what to do. I'm having to turn down people. I got so much money. I got so much food. I put on 132 pounds. I'm really doing good. I got so many cars. I've got so many trucks and bobcats and limecats. And I've got this. And boy, I'm doing so good. I'm great. How you doing? I'm struggling to pay my bills. Oh, you ought to come over to our church. You ought to believe what I believe. You ought to come up with maybe something all that pressure of yours. That's what it is. You go up at that, that skirt church, don't you, up on the hill up there? That really weird place. Oh, yeah, that's your problem out there. See, God can't bless you right. God can't bless you. Come on over there and be like us. Be like our pastor. I'd rather be like the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, the Lord Jesus could have had mansions on the hillside and all kinds of chariots and horses and this and that, but that wasn't the way the Lord crowned his life, but he crowned it with what appeared to be the epitome of such weakness and humiliation. Oh, notice Paul said, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Notice directional power. Directional power. He does not say we shall live by the power of God toward everybody. But we will live by the power of God. Now he's talking about the ministry. We will live by the power of God towards you. A group of people who will see the ministry of God and see the power of God but not as a spectacle to the world. Oh, everybody will know we're the church. Hallelujah. Everybody will know that it's us. Yes, sir. They'll be flocking to us. And where do you get that at? Oh, but Brother Donnie, it's the bride's revival. It's the bride's revival. Make sure, as I said, now you're not merging tradition in with this bride's revival. What's this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9? Thou, I may not seem if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak 
and his speech contemptible. Now this was what people in the first church age was saying about the first church age messenger. Now he was ugly, had a big hook in his nose, his eyes was bad, his, his, his bodily presence must have looked terrible. Because here Paul is quoting what they said. So here Paul wrote these powerful letters. I mean, he'd tear the hide off of them. And then whenever they'd meet him for the first time, and they'd think, no, there's no way. You are the great apostle Paul. And they're looking for a 10-foot, you know, hero or, you know, some type of my Casanova sort of a guy. He comes in on this white horse and sails in, steps down, my, every hair just right in place. And here he comes in, can't hardly see and got that crook in his nose and come around and say, you mean you're Paul? You are Paul. I read these letters and I was looking for this guy to come in. His shoulders as broad as a barn door. Man, he had abs up his front. He had abs on his abs. I mean, his legs had abs. He was so muscular. That's what I had in my mind. I said, wrong guy. Yeah, wrong guy. And I thought, oh my goodness. That is the great, the notable, the renowned. Apostle Paul? Yep, that's me. I went to Zimbabwe several years ago. and The brothers I never had seen me, but they'd heard my voice. So I get off the 747 as they arrive and hundreds of people on there. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm one of the last ones because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hunting while I'm there for a little bit, so I have to clear my gun through customs and a lot of rigmarole to go through on all that. <clears throat> so I'm coming out of there, and this little old brother, he's standing over there waiting, and everybody else is pretty much gone. This old guy's standing there, and he's kind of looking and looking, and I see this look come on his face, this white man, you know. And he comes up and said, you're not Brother Donnie Reagan. I said, I am. He said, oh, my brother. I was looking for a big man. <laughs> the way you scream and holler. And I was looking for this. I said, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> but isn't it so? That people look at the whole mind. Paul said, boy, whenever I come among them, they said, really? This is Paul? Notice this in the second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 5. When he's referring to his great journey beyond the curtain of time and he said, if such a one will I glory, yet of myself will I not glory but in my infirmities. In verse 9, and he said unto me, now he saw the Lord Jesus that he would take this thing away from him, but he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strengths is made perfect in weakness. And remember, this is not just words coming from the eternal. These words are being said by the high priest, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Now he can say these words with experience. Amen. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And notice what Paul says in response. Most gladly. Whoa. 
Therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, actually, humanly, we'd think, well, the answer would have been much better by noon tomorrow. You'll be totally delivered. Paul could have, well, praise God. Praise God, I'm going to be healed. But God didn't promise healing. He promised grace. Now listen, friends, by stripes are healed. I believe all of that. I know all of that. But the thing we have to also keep in mind is the will of God. That's general orders. That's right. That's the traffic light down here when you get ready to go home tonight, going left or right or straight through. But if a policeman is standing there, and even though you may have the green light, but he does this, you better follow with that living manifestation because he just overrode the traffic light. And general order says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. By stripes are healed. That's right. Amen, amen, amen. But sometimes the will of God says, what? You hold your place and you go. But wait a minute, it's red on my side. But I said you go and you stay still. Now when we're praying about the will of God, this is the thing we want to look at and realize. So Paul, what's he doing? He's taking general orders. Lord, you're my healer. You made a way that I could be healed. This is what he thinks. He's in exact harmony with the word. And the Lord Jesus said, but my grace is sufficient, not my stripes. Notice the Lord Jesus does not quote 1 Peter. He does not quote Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed. But he quotes the dispensation from his earthly experience. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Where was that written in the Bible? Where was that written in the Old Testament? It wasn't. It was written in the life of the man. Christ Jesus. And somehow or another, look what it done to Paul. It totally transformed him. He said, praise God. I'll rejoice. Imagine he just changes. He just said, fine. Okay, then there's a reason for this. If you don't heal me, there's got to be a higher, greater purpose than what I see and what I understand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and I'll accept it that way. So the meaning is that he would support him. He would give him strength. Now remember, Paul has this in mind, that he is a high priest, so he said, oh, so if he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness, then he's going to administer to me from the same feeling he had when he was a man. Praise God. Paul, I give you my word. I will never let you exhaust and sink to a place of despair under this load. It'll never get you down. It'll never wipe you out. I promise. Praise God. Then I will glory in my infirmities. This grace will be imparted instead of the calamity 
being removed. Amen. <laughs> Which actually will be a greater work. The value to the individual, once they're able to perceive this from the will of God, it totally changes your attitude. You know, people would look at this even when God takes a loved one and they pray and they pray and they pray, oh God, heal them, heal them, heal them. Oh, and then God, God by his will takes them. And then they, oh, God? Um, and then they get mad at God. Well, I, I'm going to quit serving God. That's about one of the dumbest things I ever heard in my life. Are you going to pout on God because God didn't answer your prayer the way you thought with your little canary brain that he ought to when he knows way more about everything than you'll ever know? Right? But yet there is such a release of being able to accept the will of God even when it's not what we want. Now Paul prayed for one thing. He prays for this. And God gives him this. God said, nope. I'm not giving you that. I'm giving you that. Because this is what you need. But God, I don't like red Gatorade. But you need red Gatorade, Paul. But God, you don't understand. I don't like it. But I will help you drink it. I will give you strength. Oh, praise God. Amen. That ain't near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Wow, praise the Lord. He's helping me. So Paul would write and they say this, this disease, O-P-H-T-H-A-L-M-A-U-S, something like that. It was painful and his eyes would water real bad and for people who looked at it, it looked awful, looked horrible. So here they come to this prophet of God that has such insight. I'd like to see Paul today. He's not receiving any visitors his eyes is really hurting him so bad he can't understand it. That old matter and pus is just running out of his eyes and cause him to have a bad headache. <laughs> he just ain't seen nobody's day. Could you have him to write me one of the letters? He can't write when he gets like this. It takes him a couple of days to get over it. Glory to God. Notice this. He said unto me, My grace. It's sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Friends, listen to this. It has its most perfect manifestation. <laughs> it has its most perfect manifestation when it is imparted to my people in their weakest times. Amen. Hallelujah. Is imparted to those. It's not given to those who think they are so strong. God, really, I don't need a lot of help today. Just a little nudge. That's all I really need, God. I'm not sure I even need that today. I'm doing pretty good on my own. If you want to just kind of watch me, God, I think I got this Christianity thing down pretty good. I think I got this thing going pretty good. Why don't you help the weak? Why don't you help Brother Don and other people? I'll take all of it I can get, Lord. But God says, that kind of person, I'll never manifest myself in my greatness. Because the weaker that you become, I'm not talking about being a weak Christian now. I'm talking about being strong in faith, but weak appearance. <laughs> Where others look at you and you look at that humanity of yours. 
And God says, you're just now getting ready. It's so completely manifested to those that are so weak and so hardly ever seen on those that are so strong. Because they're so strong themselves. Oh, I really don't need that much. I know preachers in this message that say they don't really need the anointing to preach. You can tell that, but listen to them. They studied so much, and boy, they've been into the Word so much, and they know this and that and the other. I'll tell you one thing. I've studied the Word a lot, too. I know the Word a lot, too, in my mind. <laughs> but I still need it every time I get up to preach. I hope you understand this. He delights. He delights in our weakness. We said, well, I can't do it. I can't, I can't talk, I can't, I can't speak, I, I, I don't know what to say. He says, yeah. I'll tell you what you do. You, you give me your weakness, and I'll take your weakness and use it to do the job with. Amen. The very thing you're making excuse for, let me have that. No, 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 God, No. No, let me, let me give you my strength. I said, I don't want that. Oh, but God, I've got such a great person. Look at this smile. Wow, look at them pearly whites. What do you think, God? What do you think about my physique? It's pitiful. You're overweight. You're losing your hair. Come on now. Oh, God, take, take my desire. Take my stamina. God said, I don't want none of that. Give me your weaknesses and I'll tackle the devil. Every devil in hell. What did God, the Spirit, want from the man, Christ Jesus? His weaknesses. He didn't want his powers, the Logos. He didn't need his omnipotence. But he said, give me your humanity and I will conquer death hell and the grave the Lord has more need for our weaknesses than he does our strength (laughs) our strengths is often his rival. Our weakness, his servant. Think of it. Our strength is God's enemy. Our weakness, his servant. No wonder the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Lord Jesus. Behold my servant, not my king. Not my great Adonai, my servant. Boy, we give our strength, God. Here, here, what do you do with our, our weaknesses, our mistakes? God, I can't talk, playing. God, I can't do this. What did Moses say? Lord, I, 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 I'm slow. I'm, I'm, slow of speech. God said, I'll take it. Amen. Wait a minute, God. I'm a, 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 a. I'm a general. I, 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 I have a hard time getting it out. But 
When I get loud, it's good. Lord, I gave you my mind. Oh, I know how to maneuver. I know how to plan a battle. God said, I don't want your mind. I want your mouth. My mouth? You know I'm slow speech. God said, yeah, 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 I know you are. You keep your mind, Moses. Give me your mouth. And by the way, what's in your hand? A rod. Cast it down. God, it's only a stick. And a cricket stick at that. Give me the stick. Hallelujah. Give me your slow speech. Give me your inability, your insecurities. Oh God, but I ain't got a message. I don't have adaptation. I don't have this. And the prophet said God taught him seven weaknesses. He said, I imagine I must have had a hot time out there in that desert. Moses with a high temper and Zipporah with a high temper. And then whatever he said, Moses knew he was lit. Don't you love that Kentucky theology? Hallelujah. Moses' strength was God's rival. Moses' weakness was God's instrument. Drawing on his resources to funnel his power through our weaknesses proves it had to be God to get anything done. Friends, look at Brother Branham. Look at his vocabulary. Look at his learning and this and that and the other. And let me say it. There's never been a human man that's born of parents, parents plural, that spoke the things God allowed that man to speak. It was not because of his personality, not because of his education, not because of those things. Why? God chose him. You imagine whenever he stood before the angel and said, well, sir, I, I, I can't do this. My, 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 you know, my fathers and them, my teachers, they say, this is of the devil. This is why I've been sent to you to tell you of your peculiar birth. You'll stand before kings. I, I can't stand before kings. What did he want? Give me your weaknesses. Give me your weaknesses. Oh, hallelujah. What a happy Valley Church. If we could give God everything about it. Here, God, yeah, I'm good at this. God, I'm good at that. God said, keep that stuff. I don't want it. Amen. Give me your weaknesses, your frailties. I'll conquer. Christ's power is best displayed through the backdrop of human weakness. This is why Satan don't want you to let go. He wants you to always hold that little bit of you in reserve. He knows if you ever let go, Lord Jesus, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. Undefeatable. But if he can talk you into holding back just a little bit. Maybe the music in your life is questionable. The books you read is questionable. Movies you watch is questionable. This or that or the other. 
But if you can just play your whole life before God, God, you see me. If there's anything in me that displeases you, show me. I'll get rid of it, God. You talking about shaking hell. You can talk about the seven thunders all you want to and the seven seals and you can quote to your blue in the face. But if you don't have a life that matches what you're quoting, what good does it do? Let me close with this. Notice this. Brother Bram said, God passes the nobles and gets the weakness. God passes those who thinks there's something and takes somebody that don't know nothing to order to work his purpose in their life. That's what we get. God said to Paul, my strength is perfect in your weakness. My strength becomes more perfect as you become more weaker. More you can yield to me, the better I can use you. The more you can forget about your education, the more you can forget about your denomination, the more you can forget about your stuff, which covers everything else, and yield yourself to me, the more I can use you. Because you become weak, and I'll make my own purpose strong. God can make strength out of weakness. That's the reason he always does it. Can I read just one more? Here's something to console us. Y'all ready to be consoled and encouraged? All right, notice this. Here's something to console us. Here's something that encourages. Out of weakness and humility, God chooses the people to build his kingdom out of. If we ever get to heaven, if we ever stand in the presence of God with his church, we'll stand in a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected and cast out by the world and know-it-nothings, which is the opposite of know-it-alls, which leaves some of the message folks out because many of them think they know it all. When we develop that attitude, it leaves us right out of the kingdom of God. So we've got in our mind all these heroes, Elijah, Elisha, and Enoch. I wonder if God would let us see a video real time of Enoch's life and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. I wonder if we wouldn't see just as much humanity, if not more, in their lives than we see in ours. And your humanity discourages you to no end. I wonder if it wouldn't destroy your image of these superheroes in the Bible that are fictitious in reality. You'll stand beside men and women that were some of the weakest human beings that ever lived on the earth. <laughs> Boy, some of y'all ain't liking this none, are you? Woo! Y'all wanting to walk on water and stand out there and speak to the storms. And Well, let's take these things first. Imagine that. We'll stand at a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected and cast out by the world and know it nothings. Isn't it strange that God likened us to sheep?
A sheep is the most helpless thing there is. There's nothing so insufficient of defense than the sheep. A rabbit can run. A squirrel can get in a tree. A dog can bite. A lion can tear. A horse can kick. A bird can fly. But a sheep stands helpless. That's the way God wants us. Should we not go to doctors? Sure. Should we not try medicine? Sure. Should we not try treatments of this and that and other? Yes. But don't think that you've got the ability yourself. I don't need, I don't need to ask God. I'll tell you one thing. With some of the surgeons we've gotten this day, you better pray for you get operated on. Some of the doctors that we got in this day, they don't care a bit more for you than if you was a dog. You better pray. Well, hallelujah. You better pray. That's exactly right. Well, I wonder why I want to trouble God with that because God wants to be absolutely a part of every aspect of our life. And it makes us totally dependent. But you see, well, I don't need God for that. I'll use God for this, that, and other. He wants to be a part of every avenue. And it's that independence that Satan wants us to maintain that we hold a little bit about ourselves in reserve. Oh my, notice this, you're talking about powerful. That's the way God wants us, realize that we're totally insufficient, then God takes that person. Listen what we get, friends, when we become totally helpless, this is what you get back. God takes that person. And begins to mold himself in that person. So if, you, if you're a 75-25 Christian or, or an 80-20 you know, or 90-10. So you give God 90% and you keep that strong 10. And you're the strong 10 and you still make the decisions in your life. And well, I don't need to pray about this. God gives me enough sense and I do this and that and the other. And I call the shots in my life. Oh, no, that's what you've got. You're a 90-10 guy. Or a lady. And this is what you could have if you'd give it all to him. Then he molds himself into you. Amen. Would you really want to keep you instead of getting him? It's perplexing, isn't it? Notice this. This is how, how real it becomes. He begins to mold himself into that person and makes his hands do what God would have hands to do. Make his lips speak what God's lips would speak because they're not his. They're God's. He begins to build a character, begins to take this weakness and to make his own self. Praise God. Help me, Jesus. Can we stand up?
Praise God. You know what? One thing I love about this is that when we hear this and it, it creates a desire in us to do it, and then we run against the struggle tonight, tomorrow, next day, next week, of whenever the will of God comes before us and God wants to take this part of us, and then the rest of us wants to defend ourselves or, well, I think it's, I, I believe you, I, I don't know, I think I can. But the Lord Jesus actually can relate to that. Because he prayed in the garden, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He had to allow himself to feel that part of a human that did not want to submit to the will of God. That would question and contemplate, what, what could I do? Do I have to do this? Do I really need to do this? Could I get by without doing this? So when you go to him and say, Lord, I want to, I want to so bad. Why, God, am I stubborn? Why, God, do I kick against your will? Help me, God, help me. Don't be ashamed to go to him. Can you imagine? There he is surrounded by all the angelic choirs and the cherubims and seraphims and all the praise and everything that's going on. And all of a sudden, this immortal, eternal, glorified body of the Lord Jesus can remember that night all alone. Oh, Adonai. 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 Let this God pass from me. As your voice is praying, he can hear, see, feel himself. So instead of saying, Eddie, you sorry piece of good for nothing, after all I've done for you, I can't believe you'd even question me. He can say, Father, forgive him. Forgive him. Because even though his humanity is glorified, <laughs> it's still humanity. Amen. Aren't you glad? How many wants to give him your all? Everything? Why do we struggle? It's that old something friend that was born in us when we were so tiny, we didn't even know anything about choice. It was instilled in us by the fall. We struggle and struggle. Oh my, well it's against my better judgment. It's against my better judgment. I understand. I've had to preach many things that were against my better judgment, knowing it would get me in big trouble. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I did and sometimes it costs you so dearly but yet you look back and you think God I'd do it all again because I believe it's your will that's the kind of people that we will stand by that day we will look at Gideon Jephthah Barak Samson shall I say more the great heroes of the Bible, of Hebrews 11, of Gideon, 
of Barak, of women who received their dead, raised back to life. Those who were tortured would not receive a promise, would not let themselves go free. The historians say in the scripture that Paul is referring to the lady written in the second book of the Maccabees with her seven sons. And Antiochus Epiphanes kills all of the six horrible, horrible sufferings. Comes to the last, the seventh son. And he comes to him and said, I'll make you one of my closest friends. I'll give you money. I'll give you power, wealth. You can even come and live with me if you'll deny this Jesus. He said, sir, I cannot deny him. It made him so angry and he fumed. Why? This man had reached his state of weakness. They tore him to pieces. His brothers, they tore him between wild horses and took pinchers and pulled the skin off the body. Awful, horrific things the way they suffered for the cause of the Lord Jesus. How were they sown in weakness? But they will be raised in power. God bless you, saints. May we bow our heads together. Oh, Lord God. Lord, we ask you tonight that you would help us make these words real to our hearts, Lord Jesus. You yourself are crucified in weakness, yet raised by the power of God. Your humanity screamed at the cross. The pain and the agony must have been so horrific. You suffered more than any man could ever suffer. And Lord, it seemed as if though you were totally defeated. Imagine your disciples wept and cried they did not understand. They thought you would ride down the Romans, you would conquer. They couldn't understand greatness. But you had to die in weakness to be raised in power. Thank you for it, Lord. Little did they know you were giving birth to a church who would come the same way. Many of them would be Crucified upside down, hacked to pieces. Only one, John the Beloved, would die an old death, an old age. You would sow them in weakness. Lord Jesus, I pray you would help us. When we read of what they went through, Lord, our little sufferings in this life seem so small. Help us, Father. May we give to you, Lord, our all. May we not take our pride, our strengths, our areas of arrogancy. 
But Lord Jesus, may we take our fears. May we take our uncertainties. I hope they can understand tonight, Lord. Many of the things they've heard me preach have been preached to them in the areas of weakness of my life. When I was studying and preparing and I was afraid. The fear of the aftermath. The knowing of being cut off by brethren. Yet they saw me deliver it with strength and power and the anointing. They didn't see from the core it was brought in weakness. Praise God. How could anyone look at a person hanging on the cross and screaming those words, Eli, Eli, they make the best of die. In such weakness, yet hell was trembling. Praise God. Principalities and powers were running in every direction. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Father, to get a clear view tonight. The part that we're afraid to give away, that part which hinders us. If we could just do it, Lord, it would be the finale of our crowning in great power. But Lord, we don't look for it to be power that the world will know. But Lord, it will be the crowning of your bride in a power of a body change. As I look around, Lord, and I see how many ministers are suffering with great afflictions. Lord, churches that are going through various things. Right now, Lord, a lot of the message churches probably look weaker than they've looked in years. Not been able to even have churches, church services, not even able to gather all the congregation together. Look weak, frail. Oh, hallelujah. But Lord God, we present everything that we are. We're not even a third of our capacity tonight, God. But we present it to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take it, Lord. Our slowness of speech, our small number, our inability to meet as we want. Can't even shake one another's hands. All these things, Lord. We present them to you, Father God. Hallelujah. Oh, we'd rather bring our great, what we think, crowning moments. These great sermons, these great this and that. You say, no, give me your weak times. Give me your weak feelings, your weak moments. Let me take them and I'll show you what I'll do with them. Hallelujah. Myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. Oh, Lord God, help me, Jesus. Amen, Lord. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. 
can use me I give myself
Yes, Lord. Granny, Lord. Granny, Lord. I give myself away. Oh, let it be your prayer to him tonight. Let it be your heart's cry to him tonight. Can you use me? I give myself away. However you want to use me, Lord. I surrender to you tonight, Father. Boy, so you can use me. Take my heart. Take my life as a living sacrifice. Yes, Lord. Oh, my dreams. Lord Jesus oh God let me be willing Lord to give all I have to be used by you Lord no matter how insignificant it may seem to the world Lord no matter how feeble it would seem to be to the world Lord As long as it's like the little woman with the two mites to the world, it didn't look like much, but to you, Lord, you knew that she gave you everything that she had. Oh, God, may I be willing, Lord, to be that kind of a vessel, to be that kind of a servant, Lord. Not the parts that I want, Lord, the parts I don't really care about that I would give to you. But Lord, may I give you the intimates, the depths of the treasures of my soul, Lord, that which I deem so valuable. May I be willing, Lord, to give that to you, to lay my fear, Lord, into your hands of going into foreign fields, Lord. May I be willing to give that to you, Lord. Into the jungles, Lord. Into the mountains, dear God, where it's hard. May we be willing, Lord. Not just the big conventions, not just the big meetings, but in the little huts, Lord, in the jungles. May we be willing, Lord, to be surrendered vessels, God. Granted tonight, Lord, I pray. We so thank you for your word, Lord. Because we realize if the word doesn't challenge us, it doesn't change us, Lord. 
Oh God, I pray tonight. May these words that our brother has spoke, may they go deep into our hearts, Lord, and bring forth much fruit for your glory, we pray. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to gather here this evening. We thank you for the words of life that we've heard, Lord. We ask now, dear God, that you would just go with your children. Be with them, Lord, as we travel home. May each one arrive safely. Those streaming, Lord, whatever their needs would be tonight, you're our healer, you're our deliverer, Lord, our encourager, the keeper of our souls. Lord, bless the little bride around the world, Lord. Father, you see, Lord, we cry, Lord, we sigh for the sins of our nation, Lord. Oh, God, send peace to our nation, Lord, we pray. Lift these things off the people, Lord. Comfort those that are hurting, Lord. Those that are alone and scared. Speak peace, we pray. Oh, Father, we give these things into your hands tonight for your glory. Thank you for being such an accessible God. A God a God that we can touch. Thank you, Lord, as the little boy said. I need a God with skin on him. Thank you tonight, Lord. Go with your people now, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Let's just worship him once more. Dismissing the fear of the Lord as the deacons do the service. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I just give myself to you tonight. Sing it again, Brother Larry. God bless you, sir. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so
I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself to you Oh, my life is not mine 